Welcome to 20th Century Geek. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. As always, I'm your host, Scott Weatherly. And to any new listeners, welcome to The Fold, hoping you'll stick around. Okay, so today we are going to be continuing our investigation into the supernatural. So last episode, I uh, caught up with the guys from Not Once For Yes to discuss the supernatural goings-on in the Amityville horror. We came to quite a distinctive conclusion that something probably did happen, but the whole story and, and everything that went with it had been hijacked by the media both in the news uh, and entertainment. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So today, I'm joining by uh, the two guys from the Launchpad podcast, a fantastic podcast, really worth checking out. And we're going to start by talking a little bit about the Amityville horror, going to recap some of the events, and then we're going to dive right into haunted house movies, where they came from, what ones we love, how the Amityville horror started to change the haunted house genre. What came after it, what came before it, and where is it going in the future? Not going to mess around too much. I'm now going to hand over to me and the guys from the Launchpad podcast. See you on the other side. What a cute little bug. I'd like to put you between my fingers. Okay then, listeners, I'm now joined by the Roomies from the Launchpad podcast, all the way from across the pond in California. Guys, you want to introduce yourselves? I'm Aaron. Uh, Matt, we are the Rocketeers. Yeah, so, you guys got your own podcast, you want to quickly drop some... Uh, yeah, we have pop? the... We have the Launchpad podcast. We do it every other week. You can hear us on our website at launchpadpod.com, and you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at launchpadpod. Excellent. We'll get another quick cheap pop-in at the end as well. So, just for November, I've been looking at the Amityville Horror, and you guys have come to join me to look at the what I'm considering the media side of... Uh, of this haunting we've i looked at it with uh, another podcast called not once for yes a paranormal podcast looking at the actual events and the haunting and now i'm gonna look at it from the the films and its impact and legacy on movies with you guys well something that i noticed right off listening to that podcast you did with not once for yes is that the story broke in better housekeeping and i thought that that was the original murder yeah, story it, mm. like when when they leaked the story they leaked it to the better housekeeping magazine i was like 
that was your source for paranormal activity back then? Like, <laughs> what a weird place to break this story. <laughs> <laughs> I get, yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Maybe they're just like quicker to everything. Yeah, cutting edge journalism in the seventies was those. Uh, that's it. Good housekeeping magazines, really cutting edge journalism. <laughs> That's just funny to me. But it was interesting to hear you guys kind of lay out the true story. And I hadn't heard a lot of that stuff. But uh, it seems like, yeah, you guys really laid out the, the, the murder side of it, the DeFeo murders. Yeah, well, this was it. Because it was one of those things where I started with the book. Um, and, you Which know, book? The, uh, the original J. Anson Amityville Horror. Horror, yeah, okay. Uh, and, and then sort of thought, oh, this is... You know, it reads like a novel. What's the truth? Because I was never convinced that that was an original account. And then just got sucked down the rabbit hole of everything that goes with it. You know, so everything from the DeFeo murders and everything potentially supernatural that goes on with that, and then on to the Lutzes and everything that goes beyond it, and then on and on and on. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So what's, what what do you not guys know about it? Then? What's your exposure to it? Well, one thing that I know, and it's super cool, is uh, the actual murders took place on November 13th, and we're recording this on November 12th, so we're almost yeah. at the exact anniversary of this guy shooting his whole family. So it was, uh, you know, I read, did you read the book called High Hopes? No. I think so I come across it, but never read it. It's a great. It's hard to find. I really had to actually scour around to find it. It was one of those like I finally found it on eBay, and it wasn't ridiculously expensive, so I snapped it up. <laughs> but I would. I didn't really see it. Uh, there was a sign on the front lawn of the house that the DeFeos put out that was. It said "High Hopes," and it was supposed to be like a, a you know an optimistic thing they had this great car business that the whole family for generations had been making tons of money with right. and this house was supposed to be a celebration of them you know their family and their wealth and everything so they put this sign out front that said high hopes there was a book that came out that was mostly about the murders and then a little bit about the lutzes and stuff but it was mostly about the murder um the murders themselves and the investigations um the book goes into detail it really sheds a lot of light on the family uh aspect but the, the DeFeos were a family that was like five or six deep. Ronald Butch DeFeo, who was the guy who ended up murdering the whole family, he was 23 just, just years old. Just to stop you there, say, Butch DeFeo, from mm -hmm. one of these, that, was his, that was his family nickname? Yeah, so his, it, his name was Ronald DeFeo, <laughs> but his father was also Ronald yeah. DeFeo. So he was Ronald DeFeo Jr., and I don't know who gave him the name, but everyone called him Butch. I hope he gave it to himself. I've always hung on to that. Just to <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I've only known one cool butch, and he wasn't that cool. Yeah. He would have been more cool if he was, like, a Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, uh, he had four siblings, and he did not get along with his father. There was uh, an account that uh, a butch and a friend robbed his one of his father's car dealerships and got away with it. The cops came to question him just because he worked at that car dealership, and he flipped the hell out on the cops and looked super suspicious. So because of that, he really – he probably – if he had just had gone down the station and answered questions, there wouldn't have been a problem. He goes crazy. Now the cops and the father suspect him. It ends in a confrontation between him and his father where he points a gun at his father and shoots, but the gun misfires. So the dad – could have gotten killed right there, but didn't. Then he had all this, like, coming back to God type of stuff because he thought it was a sign that he really needed to live his life in a more Christian manner. And uh, 
when you finally you know know what eventually happens that butch kills everybody you're like shit mm. that was like an early warning sign right yeah well the other thing i found out in um one of the documents i read that i saw was the um the fact that he did see a psychotherapist uh butch did about a year or multiple multiple before, and they actually pointed out that like yeah he's not stable and you need to sort of like either do something about this or he's gonna snap so it was i think it's a crisis waiting to happen by the sound of it and it's you know when you when you start to, I, I love i love horror story like true life horror stories that have real beginnings like this um and when you look at some of the, there was when he was arrested shortly after being arrested and in court, he testified that he heard voices the night of the murders. And you're like, oh, that, that could be real. Maybe the house is haunted. But he has changed his story so many times. It's really similar to over here. We had a serial killer named David Berkowitz who was shooting a bunch of random people. And at some point he did say that he thought his dog or actually a neighbor's dog, neighbor's dog. was telling him to do it. He later on said, no, that's not true. It changed the story multiple times but like i'm always like oh man what if he was hearing voices and it made him kill him but then later on he said that someone told him to say that but all that aside the thing that i find the most interesting about those real murders was he shot six people okay mm. he shot his two parents and his siblings all in the same house they were all found lying face down in yeah. pretty much the same position and some of them forensically they think were still asleep when he walked in so, the, and I think the father, he shot more than once. The, both the parents, both the parents shot, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, why didn't anyone else in that house hear the shots? And why didn't anyone else in the neighborhood hear the shots? And I've heard it was very windy that night, and the nearest house was not right next door. It wasn't super close. But still, you think, you know, 6 to 12, let's say, gunshots, aren't, it, it, that's not waking up people nearby, especially not in the same house? Well, no, this is the thing. One of the things that kept coming up in this thing was was the, the, related to that was the gun itself apparently is a really loud rifle, like an exceptionally right. loud gun. So everyone's like, yeah, so how could it wake anyone? And apparently a part of the investigation is they did test, uh, I think it was either just, the, either just the parents or just the children, I can't remember, for drugs to see if they'd been drugged and that's why they didn't sleep. Mm -hmm. and apparently there was no trace. Right, which is, that's a fun... That's one of those fun things that, like, I'm very scientific-minded, very black and white, very pragmatic, but I'm totally open to the fact that there might be ghosts and spirits and demonic. Mm. Like, I, I haven't seen evidence really either way. And this is one of those things that, like, it looks like there could be something interesting there that's not really explainable. Well, it lends itself so well to a story. Like, sure. you have mm. this predisposition to a crazy guy. You have all these weird circumstances. That just fed the flames that became this media frenzy because it really did this became a yeah. massive media yeah, yeah, frenzy yeah. i mean everybody was posted out in front of this house until recently every halloween people would be camped out in front of this house I've trying been to there. Like, you've I've been, been there, there twice you? actually yeah what? yeah tell so tell. um i it's in amityville amityville is on long island new york i grew up in long island new york and i remember as a kid the first time i rented the original amityville horror my dad told me that's based on a true story. And I was like, it, it, and I remember how old I was. It was probably elementary or maybe middle school. But I was like, it's true? And I don't think my dad was trying to sell me that the whole Amityville horror was true. But he was trying to sell me that there was a real house. And we used to drive on the freeway. Like, we lived close enough that often we would pass the, 
the parkway, the the freeway signs for Amity for for Amityville. And I remember every time we passed that, I was like so cool. When I was in college, me and my best friend from elementary school, we would go every once in a while and like make stupid videos and stuff outside. <laughs> it looked completely different. I forget when, but they took those really scary looking eye looking mm. windows out. They changed the facade of the house. They've changed the address, I believe, more than once. But you if you still know where it is, you still know where the house is. Like you could very easily find it if you look for it. You know what I mean? You can't see it. It doesn't look like that house anymore, but it is the house. I'm really disappointed that I didn't see any demonic pigs <laughs> looking through the windows back at me. Yeah. <laughs> Just turn up, stop asking. Just knock on the door. Excuse me. Have you got a Jody pig hanging around anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Every street. When I was a kid, and I grew up uh, in sort of in the, uh, the Midlands, in the city, uh, just on the suburbs really, of a city called Coventry, and everywhere's got it's that 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 house. Every neighbourhood, every town, everything's got that house, doesn't it? Right, you know. It's, sure. That's the haunted house. Not very many of them have got films and books and you know documentaries about them where you can go. No, legitimately, six people were killed there, and then a family yeah. were driven out. It's right. I wish we could have made that claim, but so, so what do you think? Would you live in? Would you live in a murder house? Say again. Would you live in a murder house? Like my wife and I bought a house a couple years ago, and like when we started looking, I said, "Babe, if we went into a house and it was super cheap, and the you know the 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 real estate agent told us that you know seven people were murdered there, and that's why the house was so cheap, would you live there?" She was like, "Absolutely," but just <laughs> because she was getting a financial deal, I would live there because I would hope. That like ooze would come out of the walls. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. I think uh, uh, I think I would, but then I would be sort of every Halloween I would be sat up till three in the morning. You know, like come on, where's where's the brass band? Where's my I require toy- something one day a year. <laughs> that's it. Just once, just once. <laughs> I expect something and you let me down. And then yeah. every time something inconsequential happened, you'd be like, it's a ghost. You just yeah. attribute everything. You're sure, like, that's you're like, true. Weird noise, something falls over. It's just like, it's a ghost. Ice maker, ghost. Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife, it drives my wife crazy, but my worst um, thing, the thing that makes me terrified is my own imagination. That if I'm lying in bed, my, where I lie in bed, if I see, can see through the door, I can see through the spindles of the banister. And there are times yeah. I'm just sat there and I'm reading a book or I'm reading, and I'm convinced, I'm like, what? If I saw a hand creep through that banister, what would I do? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I I'm really love panic- that. And then I'm panicking, like I, d- I don't know what I would. I, I don't have any weapons to hand. I'm not sure what I would do. Can I close the door, please? Because I'm a little freaked out. <laughs> if it was a, if it was, if it was a murder house, I think that would be a daily occurrence. Where what would happen if I walk into my house and I see a ghost in the hall? I, th- I think I'll wait in the car for five minutes and, and wait till my wife gets home. <laughs> I mean, that's so funny. But I mean, then you could get a book deal and, and true. Be, be rich and famous. Yeah. But they weren't rich and famous. Well, the, <laughs> the Lutzes. Are we ready yeah. to jump into the Lutzes? Let's, let's get started on the Lutzes then. What are your so thoughts Lutzes on were the, Well, they were the next family to move in mm-hmm. after the DeFeos were murdered and Butch went to jail. They found a fully furnished home on the market and the only caveat was Dead people were there. <laughs> yeah, but it was yeah. of steel, so they were like, let's do it. Let's focus on one thing you've just said there, because this is the weirdest part. You say about taking on a murder house, okay? Yeah. That's one thing. They took the furnishings, including the beds. Yeah. Now, I'm, oh, assuming, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. assuming they changed the mattresses, because, you know, hygiene. But at least oh, that and just bullets. freaks me out more. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean that that I mean Mr. Lutz must have been a real, real tightwad to be able to be like, no, no, we're going to save some money here. Don't even worry about it. Bullet marks in the wall, don't even worry about it. We'll just patch that up with some tooth- toothpaste. You guys will be fine. <laughs> like, we tried to patch them, but green ooze kept coming out. He's like, whatever. <laughs> knock, a hun- knock a couple hundred bucks off the price, and I'll take it. Um, yeah, they took and they took it so quickly. They took it really quickly. I think it was less than a year after the murders, they moved mm. into that house. They moved on. I think it was December eighteenth, nineteen seventy-five. So it's oh, he, yep, just about a year then. Yeah, yeah. A year and a year and a month. Yeah, that's. So uh, it was literally a week after Butch was uh, sentenced. Correct. That's right. That's right. Mm. Can you imagine being that real estate agent? You're like, you'll never sell this house. You're saddled with this. You <laughs> think this is going to be like the, wor- the 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 house that you'll never sell, and then like a year later, they're like, whoa, <laughs> that was a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, would, would you not be like you, you, so? You're taking you're taking these keys. Yeah, you're not you're not kidding. You're taking these keys. Fair enough. Take, yeah. There you go. <laughs> just to be clear, murder house. You're cool <laughs> with them? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give us the. You keys, know what man. comes with the flies, right? Where can I sign? <laughs> Mr. Lutz is like Ray in the Ghostbusters. You know, she's trying to be like, can we get something knocked off for the for the bleeding walls? And Mr. Lutz comes running downstairs. He's like, oh man. Look at these dope windows. A boathouse? Can we stay here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that'd be brilliant. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, they, you know, they were there for, and they lived. They end up living there for less than a month. And there's, mm. you know, you watch the movie. The movie is not uh, exactly um, realistic. They no. like clearly, you know, exaggerated certain stuff to tell that story. But when you read the some of the quote unquote real life accounts, there was some freaky stuff happening there, and they, you know, that that does not seem to be debated. Some of the stuff is debated, some of the stuff people think are exaggerated, but some of the stuff did happen and was freaky. Now, other people have lived there after the lusts, and nobody has complained of anything since. No, I think this is one of the things when I was talking to the guys from Not Once for Yes the, for the last podcast. It was. I think the sort of I don't want to say conclusion because I don't think it's it's that decisive, but mm. was that thing of this this got hijacked by the media? But within that is a core story, and as you say, some things aren't debated. Um, but the fact that like nothing come, came after it is that the tr- you know is that, you could even say is that the truth or do they just don't want the attention because it's so it's that would so, be really funny to find out that like they've been <laughs> like they've been mopping up the, the wall ooze for years and they just don't want to say anything because like we just don't want another media circus That's we it. just got rid of those idiots <laughs> off our lawn the kids are used to it dad ceiling's leaking green again <laughs> yeah get the bucket it wasn't like a malignant spirit it was just like a pain in the butt spirit <laughs> yeah uh, and all those flies i mean there's just fly paper their fly paper budgets out there <laughs> Out the, well, ceiling. the Lutzes have claimed that the spirit followed them, that the spirit went to other places with them, mm. which I don't know if I don't want to say it that that sounds more hoaxy to me than not. But they're the weirdest people to see interviewed. Because Absolutely. It's oh, yeah. like they like go on the interview and you half expect them to be like, OK, guys, it was all fake. We just wanted some money, but then they don't get any money. And then like halfway through the interview where you're exp- it seems like they're about to say that it was a hoax. Suddenly they're like, yeah. And then I flew four feet in the air and you're like, wait, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> was it a hoax or like halfway through their admission? They're like, oh, wait, I really like this attention. And they just doubled down on it. 
Well, mm. have you seen? There's a documentary called My Amityville Horror. Yeah. Which is uh, uh, Danny Lutz. I think it was recorded like 2013, 2014, and that was my expectation. I thought this yeah. is going to be him. You know. 30, 40 years later, saying, no, it was all crap, and George was a horrible person, it was all done because of this, all these people, like the Warrens and what they claim is all nonsense. That was my expectation watching this, about, and it was going to be about family abuses. It's, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. He, he's, oh. he, he makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he almost, he discredits the rest of his family and is like, they're all liars and idiots. Oh, but I like saw ghosts all day. Like yeah. he he du- he doubles down on it so hard that you're like, what are you doing, man? Like you can't possibly like. Well, he, he even gives why... it almost like a prequel because obviously they yeah. didn't. He, he knew George as his stepfather before they moved into the Amityville house, and he talks about going into the garage of the house previous and seeing George Lutz levitating a mug across the room yeah. using mystic powers. Yeah, he full on like. Well, he also. Uh, like feeds the conspiracy of like satanic ritual stuff, which was just like just makes it so complicated. You're messing up your perfect story, man. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, he's he's an interesting character. Uh, I mean, in the documentary, that one of my favorite moments in the documentary is he's reintroduced to um, uh, I forget name. What's the the Warren, um, the wife of the Warrens? Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, Ed Warren and. and um, Yes, but they introduce and he Lorraine. comes in. Lorraine Warren, it? that's it. Lorraine Warren, yeah, Elizabeth he, Warren's yeah. somebody completely different. <laughs> he meets Lorraine Warren, and he's been he's been bigging up the mysticism and the ghosts and the ghouls about this whole thing, and you know she's going to like say double down on this, and then he treats her <laughs> like she's loony. Yeah, and I'm well, just I'm really it... confused by the end. Like, I don't know where you stand on this. Is this like a, is he trolling us? Is he sitting at home like counting the checks coming out back for this, but thinking it's a big joke? I don't get it. It's so weird. And, and it... so many people have said that they're not making money. Like, granted, they might be making money, and we don't know about it. But like, it's not like they're huge celebrities. It's not no. like there clearly is enough of a following for them to make thirty-four different movies about this. But like. None of them are, aside from the first one, maybe none, of, and maybe the Ryan Reynolds one. None of them are like blockbuster. None of them are necessarily in the public, the overall public conscious, even right? If you could get a few grand off of your story every time, but they're not making that because it's not about their story. It's about the guy who wrote the book's story, sure. which is such a cheap way to get around that too. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, they don't get. They didn't get any rights cash because the book wasn't an adaptation of this true story. It was an adaptation of. Jay Anson's book, so he got all the money. Right. So yeah, they got. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's the thing is like uh, then, and I want to say that it's fake because there's a lot of inconsistencies and conflicting stories and stuff. But then again, it's like, well, if it's fake, why? Just for attention? Yeah. Well, this I mean, almost like Lil and Fitz through the week that when we talked about this, they actually made a really good point of this was leaked by um, uh, Butch DeFeo's lawyer Mm -hmm. originally to to. Good housekeeping and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Good sure housekeeping he... and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when when that broke though, and it got it literally got hijacked, and the, the the bar at which this story was being told, like you say, levitation of four feet, green ooze, thousands of flies, everything. If they then come out and think, oh, actually, we're onto a winner here, and they do, they go with it. 
and then like you say it gets taken away from them to them to then pull it back and go yeah something spooky did happen and we did run away from the house because we were scared but actually it was it was only this and it's like nowhere near that bar is it a matter of pride did they get did they get swept along with the whole thing as well I think it's definitely pride and the addiction to attention because it's one thing to be like, well, people, because if it's not for the money, attention is a huge thing too. I mean, you look at today's internet craze. I mean, they went viral. They they mm. absolutely went viral. To be in this like, to be in this this big magazine, to have books and have movies made about you and everybody wants to talk to you, but your story isn't that great. Like, that's a tough thing to say. And whether it's the embarrassment of being like, well, you know, it, it was only four. We, I didn't levitate four feet. I, I levitated like I fell out of bed. I, out of bed. <laughs> yeah. I was pushed out of bed. Like you know, I heard a weird noise. It didn't necessarily say anything, but it was a weird noise I heard. Like these 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 discrepancies is embarrassing to admit to. But then if the attention starts to wane, that's a, an addiction that you're losing. Mm. And and I'm sure that they wanted to keep that up in one way or another whether you want to admit it or not you're like i hate the fame and then it goes away and you're like oh uh, i saw a ghost it's cool come back yeah well let's just try this we talk about the fame and we talk about the media that's gone on with this and how many of the films have you guys seen because this is a i've seen the i've seen the first two 27 <laughs> i mean you know to, to prep for this ep- for to prep for this episode we made a big list um one two three four five I, I guess I've seen three. I've seen the first two original films and then the the remake. Yeah. The correct answer, Scott, is too many. I've yes. seen too many of these. <laughs> All right. There are um, eighteen. There are eighteen feature films that re, that have the word Amityville in the title that are associated with this franchise. I think I've seen the first one, the remake, uh, the, the Ryan Reynolds one. I then tried to watch Amityville Two: The Possession. Yeah. Nice try. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't get through it just because basically. Paulie is being Paulie. I was like, is, is this is this Paulie from the Rocky films? Just is this all he does? I've never seen him in anything else. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> I yeah, was expecting it's... like you know the ghost of Stallone to wander through at some point. Adrian, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you know, you know to stop this haunting. <laughs> <laughs> he he comes in as the Exorcist. That would be great. <laughs> that would be so good. Just comes That's in as the, the movie. Yeah, if he came happened. in as the priest, that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm looking. I didn't even know that this many exists. Like, I knew that there was Amityville one, two, and the three D one. Mm. I didn't know there was a fourth one. I didn't know there was one called Amityville nineteen ninety two. It's about time. <laughs> what is that? That's the time travel one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that's either a comedy or a musical, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, um, it became this massive i i think it's just a a brand like you slap mm. amneville on it right. i don't know if there's a brand on that name amneville like i don't think i think anybody could slap the name amneville because it's a location that you can't like copyright and then it's like whoa it's it's tied to that franchise all of a sudden that's exactly what happened because in 2005 wow. you get the amneville horror which is the remake with um Ryan Reynolds and then the yeah. next ones are literally the Amityville, and then they just add words on, and I'm sure they've just got like a big bag full of like <laughs> these are cool words, a bit like how the um, you know the Resident Evil films are made. They're just a bag of words that just come out with. You've got 
the Amityville Haunting, the Amityville Asylum, the Amityville Playhouse, the Amityville Death House, the Amityville Terror, the Amityville No Escape. It, 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 I watched, I'll tell you what I watched, I watched the Amityville uh, Death House, I tried to watch Amityville Vanishing Point and Amityville uh, No Escape. Awful. <laughs> oh, they were ter- I, f- I picked them all up from a charity shop for less than a pound. That's how much. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you overpaid. I did. Yeah, right. <laughs> I took them back and asked for my money back. I don't care if it's charity. I want a refund. They were like, no way, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, think I've seen definitely awful. the first. F- I've definitely seen the first four. Amityville two, the first Amityville horror, Amityville two, Amityville three D, The Evil Escapes. I want to say I've seen the curse, but I couldn't tell you. And what I was telling Aaron was. I have I know for a fact I have a box set of the first four movies. Now I could tell you almost scene for scene about the first Amityville Horror, the original. Mm. Two, three, and four, I couldn't tell you one specific thing that happens in any of those three movies. Like I can't tell you one apparition you see. I can't tell you one kill or one scare. It all and I watch a sh- I watch a lot of horror movies. But like I could tell you the difference between Halloween five and Halloween six. I could tell you the difference between any number of crappy sequels. This is just going to that same well and being like, All right, it's a haunted house. Let's just have haunted house stuff. All right, it's a haunted house. Yeah, they just slap the name Amityville, put a couple creepy moments, and that's it. But they're all generic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. some of these are just spec scripts. Some of these are just something that someone's had knocking about, and then they've just <laughs> literally <laughs> inserted the word Amityville at the start. Sure, yeah. Like, oh, this is. I wrote this this script called The Wilsonville Murder House. They're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you mean, no, this will never fly. But if we call it the Amityville Murder Fields, soul. Yeah. Soul. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's crazy because the first movie was actually really good. Love it. It's it really good. good. Yeah. And Margot, Margot Kidd has never looked better. Agreed. <laughs> and that '80s hair on the dad in that. Oh yeah. man, that beard combo. It's yeah, pretty fantastic. <laughs> I tra- my wife is not into anything cool, and, and certainly not into horror movies. And when we were dating, we had these thing called homework movies, where like, to for this relationship to continue, you have to have seen these movies. And the original Amityville Horror was one of the ones that I made her watch with me. And all she did was develop a crush on the screen portrayal of George Lutz. That's the only, that's the only thing. That's her only takeaway. Is, yeah, he looked good in that movie. Cool, babe. Yeah, James well, Brolin. Uh, look, uh, I have to say, his best scene is him stealing a book from a library. Um, it felt I hadn't seen it in such a long time, and then to go back and watch it when I was doing everything for this, and then to have him stealing a book from a library felt so antiquated. I was just sort of like, aww. <laughs> yeah, you. If you have younger listeners, you might have to explain what a library is, <laughs> yeah. and also a book. Like, they're like, wait, you took an iPad from the Apple Store? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Give yeah, it a couple of years. There'll be the Amityville Library, and uh, they won't need to be told then. <laughs> I mean, if you did a remake, to, even though they've done a remake, if you remade it again, he would just order the book off Amazon, and then his yes. computer would like spit blood. And <laughs> this is the funny thing because this is actually going to get into one of the things we'll talk about. When we talked to haunted house films. Yeah, modern horror is really doesn't work with modern technology. Tough time. That's true. Yeah, because when you watch these, like they have to go searching out the truth, or they have to go searching for the facts in a library, or some ancient tome that they find, or some you know mystic black man that exists with the shining. Yeah, whatever. But now, like you say, Google it and you're done. Yeah, and so. 
the the biggest thing about horror and one of the key things to make good horror work is isolating the characters in yes. one way or another and technology is the ultimate breaker of walls like it brings everybody together like right now we're talking to you across an ocean mm. and and it's like we're talking like we're in the same room and and horror that doesn't work for horror like the biggest thing is how do you get rid of cell phones how many times have you heard well i got no service here and it's like where where does that happen very rarely do i have no service for well, extended they, periods they of time sprint. <laughs> <laughs> that's it you're right though that's why sort of like there's so many retro horrors now coming out that are set in that period i think that's a, one of the reasons i think like stranger things and stuff works it's just yeah Oh, that's true. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah, you don't have cell phones, so they don't. You don't have to even deal with well, it. Well, just the idea of to, like right now making a retro movie for that because the time period works so much better for the genre. It's mm. easier for them to collect a bunch of '80s clothes and cars than it is to try and figure out how to use. Cell <laughs> yeah, phones I can't write movie. cell phones out of a script. I'd rather I'd rather have the wardrobe department and the 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 set deco have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with that. It works. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> but to jump into like this haunted house movie genre, I'd like to to throw to before all this happened, where it started, and then what changed with Amityville Horror. Like, mm. like, like. So the original haunted house movies, I mean, have started way, way back in the like early films. A haunted house was a popular thing to have as a genre, and I think it all stems from Edgar Allan Poe writing. The Fall of the House of Usher, which is about a haunted house. But even in that book, they talk about reading a book together called The Haunted Palace. So it's like haunted houses have been around forever. As long as there's been creepy buildings and creepy things happening in those buildings, I think haunted houses have been around. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think the a good one to start at is just the 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 trope of creepy old eccentric man wants to pay you money to sleep in his haunted house. And this was Harley first seen in 19... <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it, I'm not afraid of ghosts at all, but if some old man offered me any money to sleep anywhere, I'd be like, no. no. <laughs> Mr. Spacey, like... I will, but you have to stay in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this is creating a different genre of scary, <laughs> scary people in a house. It's like, and we got uh, we got pudding pudding pops Jello for uh, dessert and <laughs> <laughs> that would be a true horror house. Let me call Amity the Celebrity Mansion Horror. That'd be so cool. It's got all these people in it. Be so creepy. But to get back to the films, it's uh, 1932's This Old Dark House set the trope of rich man paying people to stay there. Mm. But I don't even think this is the movie that did it the best. And one of my favorites, and Scott, I think you'll agree, is 1959's The House on Haunted Hill. I Absolutely. love it. Yeah, I love that film. It's so good. But it, it, it's... Because I watched this, I think... I can't say it, I was too young, because I don't think ever this film has ever really scared me, because I was just so entranced by it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just an amazing film. Amazing. Well, and Vincent, Vincent Price, I think, at his most priciest, he's... <laughs> he's such a creep, creepazoid, and and just the way he acted, like why is he acting like that? And they're like, no, that's just what he does. You'll love it. And you're, and then by the end of the movie, you're like, Vincent Price is awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's a conversation between him and his wife where they're all, he's almost like he's joking about the time she tried to poison him, and it's just yeah, it's so good. He's so smooth, but in a really creepy way. 
And then he's got a pit of acid in his basement. How cool yeah. is that? <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> cooler than getting over your wife trying to poison you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, I mean, I love this movie, but the weirdest thing about it is it's all like a game for him. It's this mm-hmm. creepy game. But yeah. that, to me, is one of the quintessential haunted house movies. Even though it's not really mm. that haunted, it's super creepy, and it's the trope of, I'll pay you to stay here. How crazy is that? And then in like after that it it we have this like wave of skeptics and mysticism in pop culture like people got into uh uh like astrology and and with the 60s there was a lot of spiritualism that came out and with that came people trying to debunk said spiritualism right and we got this wave of movies that was like people trying to debunk haunted houses like like The Haunting that came out in mm. 1963. and That is one of my absolute favorite horror movies. Yeah. And certainly, I might put that, I, I would definitely put that top three favorite horror movies. And I think it's antiquated as hell as a movie. Like, it certainly shows its age to a contemporary audience. Yeah. But, uh, Scott, you like that one? Because that one, I, could, I get scared when that thump, thump, <laughs> oh, thump. Yeah. Hap- the, oh, I love it. It is amazing. I, this is one of those... Situation. I saw the remake first. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. With um, um, Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones and, and that sort of thing. And I remember watching, and thinking, hey, "It's all right. Why is everyone? Why is everyone hyping this film as one of the best?" But then realizing actually they're all <laughs> hyping the original. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I went and watched the original, um, and it is. It's fantastic because it's there is no CG. This there's barely any like special effects. It's all tension. It's all, you know plays on your mind the whole time it's fantastic and that's that's a that's a hard thing to do. first i think it is very hard to craft tension in a film and i think a lot of times today we don't do that like contemporary movies we don't do that because it's too hard and it's easier and it's more flashy to go with a bright scare or a special effect or something but in what was it this was 1963 you didn't really have you couldn't do as much flash and gimmicks and stuff so you had to go for that and i also believe that hollywood at that time was trying to tell the best story that they could they weren't trying to make i mean they were <laughs> trying to make money but they were trying to tell a story they were trying to tell it correctly they were trying to make if they were making a horror movie they were trying to make it scary yeah and i, I think that I think works it, it works but i think the, the other thing that this benefits from is its literary origins I mean, this this is a, it's a making of um uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, sure, exactly. So, you know, I, it's... But, but the, what they did is they took what worked in the novel, because it is a fantastic novel, it, and they actually translated it to use that suspense. When they make an adaptation now, they're like, okay, well, where do all the special effects go? Where can we put a jump scare yeah. in? Where can we do that? And it cheapens it, really. But, I mean, it, 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 it all fit into this great, like, genre of gothic horror, like creepy mm. houses put some ghosts how do we get the people there go and it was it was a fun formula that always always works for what it is like i don't I, it's very hard to mess this formula up plenty of movies have but it's it's so simple in that idea and what you do with it and what different movies have done with it is what makes a good haunted, haunted house movie stand apart from the hundreds of haunted house movies that exist well yeah. i'm just looking at the list that we've sort of like we've put together under old school haunted house movies yeah and the thing, apart from, I have to admit, I haven't seen the Toho film, House, although I, I'm, oh. aware, I'm aware of it, but I've never seen Wacky. it. Wacky. Well, to, to briefly describe it, Jaws had just come out. 
Jaws was huge. Toho, the, the movie studio that makes Godzilla, is mm-hmm. like, we want a Jaws movie. And this guy's like, okay, I got a Jaws movie for you. How about a Haunted House movie? And they're like, where's the Jaws? And he's like, mm, you'll see. <laughs> and just pestered them and pestered them until they're like, fine, make this movie. It is an acid trip of wacky bananas, like cartoon trip wildness. It's a bunch of girls go to a house where they're, where one of the girl's aunts lives, and then ghosts start going crazy but like there's a lot of like hand-drawn cartoon animations attacking them uh there's a flying head that starts attacking them and biting them on their butts uh a piano eats a girl yeah like some of it is scary some of it is goofy and i don't know if that's the translation of their culture to ours and like maybe it's scary or or maybe there's more traditional yeah things in their culture that's happening in that movie but Coming from an American culture, you're like, wow. <laughs> it is so weird and so bizarre, but a lot of it you can see a lot of it you can see really inspired Sam Raimi because it definitely has this oh, like really? ev- it has this huge evil dead vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the cheesiness and like a lot of the sight gags are so so Sam Raimi. Okay. I'm definitely gonna check that one out. It's, it's fun. It's, I think the it's Japanese, fun. yeah, when Japanese and Korea, South Korean, and that's when that you know that Asian cinema goes mental. It goes like full on mental. Yeah. they know how to oh. lose their shit. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> yeah, and this has a lot of great like early special effects that you're like, wow, you really went balls to the wall with mm-hmm. what you could do with special effects in 1977. But you said this. So the story is that four girls go to visit. Or a group of girls go to visit one of their aunts. Now I'm assuming that aunt's yep. house is isolated. It's it's somewhere yep. in the hills, right? It's up in the mountains, yeah. And it's super creepy and super old and full of antiques that come alive and kill you. Again, because that's the thing. I'm looking at the other ones we've got in here. Everything. For, I mean, the f- some more modern ones, but the others they have a there's a justification why they can't leave their house because of the children. Uh, yeah. the, or- the orphanage. It's an isolated orphanage. The changeling, the woman in black, the shining. All of them use the location and the time really the period to actually create that isolation and that's a massive part of why these are so good yeah and it's it's when you have those perfect elements that perfect storm of you're trapped and you're alone anything that can happen it is scary because there's nobody to come help you and who who are you going to call to mm. Yeah, Ghostbusters aren't going to make a call to the the Overlook Hotel either. Let's be honest. <laughs> no. I, can you imagine that? Like, like uh, what's her name? The skinny chick from Popeye, <laughs> Olive Oil. <laughs> yeah. Olive Oil is at the Overlook Ho- Overlook Hotel calling the Ghostbusters, and they're like, "Man, I don't want to get on a plane. Let it go to voicemail." <laughs> Janine, take a message. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever seen Casper? The the yeah. Casper oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> The in theaters, part, baby. Did you, the best part of that film is when Ray Stance comes running out, and I was like, "There's a Ghostbusters cameo. They're in the same universe." Isn't that great? <laughs> Call someone else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love I love a good gothic horror haunted house movie mo- most of the time. Uh, it, it's been interesting to see them as in more recent years when people are trying to take that flavor, like Women in Black, like uh, Crimson Peak. Mm. And it's like they they don't really they're missing some of the things that make them great, or they're they're relying too much on sort of that flavor of haunted house to do something new, and 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 I, I think it's hard because we are so removed from that antiquity of what makes an old scary house 
frightening. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of why things changed. I mean, you're right. I think I th- actually I really enjoyed Crimson Peak, but I understand that it's not a scary haunted house film in that sense. That, like it could have been. There could have been so much more done with it. Um, well, and the ghosts are pretty inconsequential to that movie. She would have discovered all those clues with or without them. The ghosts are just there because it's Guillermo del Toro and that house is haunted. Mm. But to talk of Guillermo del Toro, another sort of... I didn't know whether to put it on this list as it's a haunted house, but it's definitely a ghost film. It's The Devil's Backbone. Love that movie. Which is it's beautiful. It's an amazing film. And to, to know he can do... You know, he can do that. And then, like you say, it, yeah. Crimson Peak felt a little bit light. Yeah, definitely. But I, I, I definitely think uh, the, the Devil's Backbone falls into classic haunted house. I mean, it's, mm. a, it's an old orphanage, and, and like the orphanage, you have that ghost story. I think it's a beautiful ghost, ghost story. I think it's done really well, uh, and, and in that classic classic vein. But how did, how did they change? What was the shift? And, and I think, you know, because we're talking Amityville, Scott, what, what, what to you made that shift happen? Well, this is, yeah, this just, and I'm, again, it's one of these things that sort of like pops into my brain and I sometimes talk these things and people usually just give me a side look of like, you know, you're talking shit or stop talking. But this one sort of stuck with me before Amityville or haunted house was very much in that Gothic form. It was, you know, whether it be a hammer horror film or a universal film, it was that, it was that Gothic horror. And then to have this thing become so heavily publicized and into the public eye, um, all of a sudden there seems to be a bit of a, a, a shift into I suppose what you can call like the suburban horror that that horror leaves the castle or the old mansion and actually comes into your home and all of a well, sudden you it, start getting to those sorts of horror films or those haunted it, house films it goes from the houses you go visit and you know they're scary to the place where you already live and it yes. becomes scary right it, it in almost a weird way it's like a neo prequel like all these haunted early haunted house movies they're already haunted but mm. this is like how a house becomes haunted. Like you're living in it, everything's fine, and then things start to get creepy. And eventually, you're the creepy guy being like, "I'll pay you to stay in my house." <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how I see. That's how I. Uh, I see. What's it from? Um, who is it who plays him? I'm gonna check now. Yeah, I suppose that's how you can see James Brolin now. I suppose just sort of stood on someone's porch, beckoning in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Join me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and. And I think like that movie, The Shining, definitely is, is bridging that gap because mm. it is an old haunted place, but it's a modern family, like in sort of a renovated thing. I think The Shining is a great like bridge between those two worlds. Like it has a foot in the old haunted house, but the family dynamic and like the revamp of that hotel sort of fall in that new world. And it's mm. like your home is being invaded by by ghosts or spirits or whatever the evil entity is, as opposed to you're being asked to go there and experience it. Yeah, and I think Stephen King's actually got, like, definitely got something to play in this, of bringing it back to... So, you know, Stephen King hitting his stride in that late 70s, early 80s. Big of, time, yeah. Of making it, you know, um, regular person involved in a supernatural event in a regular place. Well, and I think... He must. It would be really interesting to be like Stephen King. What did you think of the Amityville Horror at the time? Like that had to have played into some of what he was thinking about and what he was writing about in that time period. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. No doubt. It must have been. I mean, it's a bit considering it happened. The film came out in seventy nine. So you've got the book in seventy seven, the film in seventy nine. 
you know, you like you say, you get this bridge, and it comes out in nineteen. The film, The Shining, comes out in nineteen eighty as that bridge. Yeah. I think the Changeling is a similar a bridge. Um, it's a, it's an yeah. old house, but the story's not that old. The ghost isn't that old in it. No, it's. I mean, a guy moves into a house, and the just the. I mean, it's very much like the Amityville. The owner just previously to mm. him did some bad bad stuff there, and that's those those are haunting him. And that's a pretty cool movie. I, I like some of the stuff that happens in that movie. One thing we haven't said yet, Scott. Do you own a house or do you have an apartment? Uh, we have a house. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron doesn't have a house yet, but when you do, Rumi, you will see. You have to pay so much money to own a house, mm. and then you have to do so much upkeep that when you find out that that shit is haunted, <laughs> that is an extra thing. Because you're like, I just bought this. Yeah. <laughs> now I like now like oh great, I got to put new pipes in all the bathrooms, and there's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> if I could charge it rent, I would. Yeah. Right. You're like oh <laughs> like. <laughs> That's really funny. These cabinet doors hang crooked, and also the plates fly out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think one of the... (laughs) I mean, when you see the Amityville Horror, it definitely made me think that, like, oh, man, like, I'm glad I grew up in a house that was pretty normal and there was nothing creepy happening. Like, it's the the perfect storm of that family tension, the woes of home ownership, and then like this just compounds everything. And I think, a, like you were saying earlier, Matt, is that a good horror movie has something pre-existing. And like The Shining, Jack is already kind of on edge. He's already <laughs> an an edgy dude. It the house didn't really need to help him. It just exacerbated him to the point that he's murdering his family. Yeah, but I, I'm convinced though. If if those ghosts have sat back and done nothing. The end of that film's exactly the same. Exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. the same, right? <laughs> a car ride up to that hotel. I swear to God, at some point, Jack Nicholson's going to pull over and just slap that kid silly for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and it sets it up so well because you know, remember they're asking him like, remember when he yanked his kid's arm out of his socket? And like, mm. no, he was just playing around. It's fine, you know. It it happens to everybody. And growing up, like I know that that's true. Like every parent has that moment where like their kid gets hurt, and then the doctor. Like, how did this happen? You you don't you don't have to you don't have to be afraid. You can tell us the truth. And the parents are like, no, no, it really he really just fell down. Like, please <laughs> just you know, it's like everybody has been there. So the fact that this is like in that questionable realm, and then like the ghosts and the evil just push it into reality is is really gnarly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I say the, the following or soon after, you do get possibly one of my favorite horror films and, and haunted house films of all time is Poltergeist in nineteen eighty two. And that's a similar I, thing. It's a it's a a standard it, it feels very Steven Spielberg, it feels very Stephen King. It's a regular family moving into a, a brand new house. Um yeah. on a housing estate they're helping to develop and stuff. And then it goes pear shaped. Well it takes all the tropes. It takes everything. It takes all the best parts of the Amityville horror with the weird little incidences of the plates falling and lights flickering and the weird noises. It takes the best parts of The Shining when it's like, oh, Indian burial ground? How about we have a, a, a cemetery that didn't get moved properly? It takes all those elements and wraps it into, I think, what is a culmination of yeah. like the best modern haunted house movie that we've had. And and the family's really <laughs> likable. 
the ghosts are awesome. The special effects are amazing. I mean, this movie's fantastic. It's yeah. great. I also love that they use the television, which, you know, we're talking about how specifically horror movies, or not even horror movies, but specifically haunted house movies, how they try to isolate and, you know, get, get the people away from technology and communication. I think television is one of the biggest forms of communication and technology in probably starting the generation before us, our generation, and probably forever, but at least right now, it's, it's a huge thing. And not only does Poltergeist as a film embrace that, but it uses it as a plot device, yep. which I think is, is pretty smart, especially at the time when you go back to when it was made. I think that's actually pretty cool, pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's easy to be afraid of a, a clown doll that stares at you while you sleep. Creepy. But when you're afraid to turn the television on, that's pretty cool, you know? Mm. There's... Uh, a scene oh, there's a scene in this movie that that I love because it's a scene that's missing and it's early on in the film the parents decide to go the, the part that's in the movie is the parents decide to go ask their neighbors if anything weird is happening in their house mm-hmm. and they knock on the door the neighbors open the door and they're like hey, have you noticed anything weird happening the the parents are obviously stoned in this mm. scene out of their minds, just stone silly, and the scene they cut out is them smoking something to get them that crazy. And there's a scene earlier where you see him rolling a joint, but mm-hmm. they cut the scene where they're smoking it, and then they just knock and go to their neighbor's house, and she's like giggling, and he's like, "Be cool, be cool, it's cool, man, it's cool." Yeah. Have you guys noticed anything weird? And I just think that's so funny. It's like we missed a part. You went. I saw part A. I saw part B. How did they get to here? Actually, have you seen the special features? Because they do actually, they they actually address that, and it was the MPAA said, like we we can't have that scene. Really? Yeah, they did. They had. They said they, you can't have that scene of them. These are supposed to be responsible parents with children in the house, so you can't have them getting stoned. But then they didn't get. They didn't have the time to refilm them going to the door. That's so funny. <laughs> that's, that's, I, did, that's, I, I need to find that. this. No one will notice. Let's just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I always found it hysterical because I'm like, wait a second, has anybody else noticed this? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows. I this? <laughs> I'll have to find those special features. I did not know that that existed out there. Yeah, it's on the 25th anniversary edition. It's a, there's a documentary all about it. Oh, I'll have to find that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things I think, the thing I like about Poltergeist the most is when I watched it as a kid growing up in the 80s, um, you know, I, I related to the children in the story. Um, yeah, especially the brother, you know, sort of like that's the situation I can relate to. As an adult now, especially with uh, a child and stuff, you you now sort of see it from the parents' side because there is that thing that you know. There's the joke of the, um, Eddie Murphy was makes you know like well, if the house is haunted, if white people just stay there, black people just get out, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, I can see why again. They within the story, there is no leaving. Because the daughter is trapped in the house. Yeah. Right. So, like Which that, do, that, so it creates that it isolation does, again. It does, and it does a great job of keeping him there. Because one of my biggest like issues growing up with the original Amityville Horror is like they just get up and leave. They don't fight the monster. There's no there's no resolve. They just leave. That's, That's why it. you're my roommate for life, Ruby. Yeah. Because we wouldn't evacuate just to live. We would fight first. I would fight that ghost. And I love that <laughs> Poltergeist gave you a climactic ending mm. and gave you something to fight for. And they found figured out a way to make that happen. Because otherwise it's like the birds or something like that where it's just like, well, let's just get in the car and drive away. And it's like, well, if that was an option, why didn't we do that day one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I have to admit that there is one thing that's always bugged me about the ending of Poltergeist 1. And it, it <laughs> follows that? into Poltergeist 2 and 3. The end of Poltergeist 1 is the entire neighbourhood comes out and they are seeing, literally watching dead bodies erupting from the ground. <laughs> yeah. And then they watch a house crumple in on itself and disappear into a speck. <laughs> <laughs> and at no point in the following films is anyone like do you remember that crazy supernatural <laughs> event that was all over the news right well could you imagine like immediately you go home and you call your insurance agent and you're like yeah. hey are we protected against folding houses yeah. are we protected act of god that? that's act of god i'm sorry can't, can't cover that <laughs> yeah, can't cover that <laughs> Well, could I at least get partial coverage for shooting corpses? What yeah. if my tree? What if my tree breaks a window and grabs my kid? Uh, we'll cover you for the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I have a great tree surgeon. He'll do something for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, the first one's amazing. The other two, they're okay. They have some cre- crazy moments, like mm. in the second one when when you realize about the creepy preacher guy and like she goes down and finds all the bodies, like the like the, the massive mass mm. grave or whatever that's cool but like the rest of them they they slowly devolve they aren't that they just don't have that magic that steven spielberg tobe hooper magic that the first one had no definitely i think, I, I, I don't think i've watched the third one in since i watched it the first time really yeah um, yeah but the second one the, the, the moment in the second one that stays with me and will stay with me forever is the tequila worm that, oh. that, that uh-huh. then becomes something and crawls out of Craig D. Nelson, which is beyond freaky. Yeah, it's really that's yeah, that's a crazy moment for sure. I'd almost forgot about that. You brought that I was like, whoa I haven't seen that one in a long time. Mm. The second one's worth a checkout. I mean yeah. I, I can't say it's good, but it done back to back works out pretty well. The third one is is I couldn't tell you anything about it. I just remember being like meh I don't know that I've seen the third one. I think I've seen the first. I mean, I've definitely seen the first, and I think I'm, I know I've seen the second, but it was a long time ago. So after Poltergeist, where did where do we go from there? Where does the haunted house movie go? It takes off. I mean, everybody wants to do an Amityville. Everybody wants to do a Poltergeist from that point on. Well, that's it, and I think it does. I think, like I say, you've, you know, you've got like House, the House series, really one through four, um, which I only really watched this year. Actually, they take they're it pretty to a fun. different direction. Yeah, they're quite cool. I think the first two, especially, are quite good. Um, but they, yeah, they, they sort of take off, but there's not, there's none that stand out. That's the thing I think that really bothers me. I looked through a couple, but there was nothing. You get, you get, like say, the, in the in the late nineties, you start to get the remakes of the originals. You get the remake of The Haunting. You get uh, Thirteen Ghosts and um, The House on Haunted Hill with Jeffrey Rush instead of Vincent Price. Yeah. And that they've introduced that thing again that happened. I think horror sort of died out in the late eighties, early nineties. It's sort of like you know, it, it, repetitive slasher films sort of killed it off. Yeah. And then you get just the gore horror, though the gore haunted house. I think of the late nineties. I and mean, what what are your thoughts yeah. on those films? Like Thirteen Ghosts, well, The House. Thirteen of Ghosts. I I have to give it credit for being as unique as it possibly could be. It is mm-hmm. so weird. So mm. weird. Yeah. But, like, it's interesting. It's unique. You have to give it credit for taking an early, like, you know, the original 13 Ghosts is, you know, just a, I mean, it's a, one of the better ones, but it's a pretty run-of-the-mill haunted house movie. And then this one's like, we have this giant ghost machine house. The house is the machine. And it, 
it's like the movie Cube, but with ghosts right. as batteries in it. And like, I, I, it's hard to explain. It's so weird. And then like, it's not a 3D movie, but everybody in the movie has to wear like glasses to see the ghosts, which was the original gimmick of the original 13 ghosts. You could wear these crazy glasses to see the ghosts. Um, but it's so bizarre because it's playing so much and renovating an original concept to a movie nobody who watched the new 13 ghosts had mm. ever seen. Sure. Um, but I liked that movie for what it was trying to do. I think it failed in so many regards, and I don't think it's a great movie. But every time I see it, I'm like, good job, you guys. I can't get into it. <laughs> I've tried, and I've given it two or three chances. It's not terrible. I've obviously seen worse. But that's one of those movies that I would file it in with. And I think I have a copy because so many people have given me so many terrible and good horror movies because they know about the podcast. And they know that we do so much um, Scott, I don't know if you know, but we do a shitty movie Sunday almost every week where we watch terror. Yeah, movies. I've heard you talk about it, yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, 13 Ghosts, I can break those movies into two categories. There's shitty movies that I can watch by myself and enjoy, mm. one reason or another, or there's shitty movies that I need to watch with a group to make fun of it. And 13 Ghosts for me is that. But again, it does, it does, it does open an interesting door to the haunted house, where the haunted house in this is almost itself a character. And also, you know, it, it emanates these beings that are also the, the antagonists of the main characters. But uh, the, the fact that the house itself plays a part in it is kind of interesting. Well, and I think that's a big part of the haunted house genre because that's what separates it from... I mean, Poltergeist almost isn't a haunted house movie. It's a it's a house that has a ghost in it. Sure. But, like, the house is not a character. It's the ghost no, in actually, the house. actually, the house... Is clear. <laughs> Spot on. Amazing. <laughs> the thing but, I have to say about 13 Ghosts, again, it's yeah. I, I agree that whoever did the art direction for this film, whoever did the design work, it's amazing because they've really gone all out. Like Again, it's just insane. But again, it's one of those things where it, the story and the concept and the design don't quite mesh. In the sense yeah. that this is, it's a, it, the house looks amazing. It's got glass walls and they move mm -hmm. and there's all this kind of stuff going on. And then they introduce this sort of, um, if I remember right now, it's it's a it's a dad with a couple of kids. Yeah, yeah. And they're teenagers, right? I've I've been a teenager. I know some teenagers. If I took <laughs> some teenagers to a house with glass, if, if actually if, just forget that, if I go to a house with glass walls, I'm quite shy about certain things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I'd be comfortable with that. I'd be a bit like, this is really weird. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it like that. I'd be I'm nervous because I yeah. keep breaking things. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd break the shit out of that house. Oh, man. I would not do well in a 13 ghost house. <laughs> the one I would bring up is just, it's around the same time is Stir of Echoes, which I'm not sure yeah. if it's a haunted house film, but it's definitely a. I don't know, because it, it starts in that way, but ends in a sort of, it's more of a, a, a ghost mystery. You know, we, we have this list that we've been putting together, Scott, you, me, and Aaron. And when I saw, you know, the last week or so, I saw that you threw that on there. I was very excited because I watched that movie about two weeks ago, and I love it. So I'd love to hear. Let me hear your thoughts on that. It's I, I, I haven't watched it in a while, um, but I remember it's a, it's a film I know really creeps me out. And it's one of those films that, I've, I, I need to revisit it very soon. Because um, oh, it's you have awesome. To well, me, it starts. You have to remind me the story, really. Because yeah, so it Kevin starts Bacon. with um, 
It's awesome. It starts with a little boy in a bathtub, and he's looking dead at camera. And in the background, we can see the room outside of the bathroom is a bedroom. And uh, Kevin Bacon is getting his shoes on or getting ready or doing something back there. And the little boy is talking to us, but we only hear his half of a conversation. The other side of the conversation is absent, and you're not quite sure who he's talking to. But it eventually switches around and shows you that he was not breaking the fourth wall, but looking at a wall. So he's not talking to anybody. And it becomes very very clear very quickly that he is talking to something or someone that only he can see. And uh, then there's a party that happens at, at the house, and Kevin Bacon gets hypnotized. And we find out later that during the hypnotism, they suggested that he would be a little bit more open because he was kind of like a dick kind of character. So the, right. his sister, his sister-in-law makes that suggestion, meaning that he'd get off his high horse and just chill out a little bit. But what it turns into is he becomes open to otherworldly paranormal type stuff. And the haunted house aspect comes in where there's a girl missing, a young uh, a girl who has uh, mental difficulties is missing, and there's they mention it very quietly a couple times throughout the movie. And uh, the little boy clearly knows something's up. Once Kevin Bacon's in on it, he knows something's up. He gets a message to dig, and he starts digging in the house, outside the house, through the house. And finally, he discovers that this girl who's missing was murdered and hidden in the house. And there's more drama involved in it than that. But he keeps essentially getting messages from the house or from the girl the girl's spirit, but something is trying to motivate That's him right. to it's, find rem- the girl. I remember it now because it's yeah because it it becomes quite clear, I say early on that she's obviously dead, um, but then it becomes let's say a murder mystery, and it's sort of that thing of he's got to. It's a bit like the changeling in that respect of mm, very much so. Then, he's then got to f- solve the mystery of who actually killed her, and it's like everyone in that neighborhood then becomes the suspect and. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I've got to go back to that film. That was a really good film. It's really, really good. It's really well done. It's one of those movies that, like, nobody really talks about, which is why I was really excited that you put it on there. No one really remembers it. Nobody really gives it its due credit. It's well acted. It's well thought out. That little kid does a great job. It's mm. It's got a good vibe It to handles it. the paranormal from the view of a skeptic, though. And I think that that's interesting. Is Kevin Bacon's like, well, I true. don't buy into this. But I'm compelled to do this, and by the end, he has embraced what's happening to him. But I like that it's not from the point of view like, "Hey, guys, ghosts are real." It's from the point of view of Kevin Bacon, which is ghosts are not real. But suddenly, all this stuff is happening to me, and I need to do it regardless of what I believe is true or false because I understand that I'm trying to help mm. this this girl. And I think that that's very interesting and a very interesting approach to it. And it's very subtle, but very effective at the same time. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm um, try that out. I'd love to take us from the house, take us kind of back to the old school haunted house and take us to space. Yes. I, thought I, knew the, I, was... I had a feeling this one was going to come up next. Uh, I, it's another one that I'm so excited is on this list. Um, so Event Horizon is one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite horror movies. But at the end of the day, it's a gothic haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just in space. Yes. yes. You got the same I mean, elements that we've been talking about, right? You got uh, a group of people totally isolated, right? Mm. In a situation that they don't really know about, that they don't necessarily want to be in. But now we're here, 
and uh, we slowly start to unravel what's going on up there, right? Yeah, and this is one of those films that, again, when I first heard about it, I, I didn't give it much credence to begin with, because even, mm-hmm. even at that point, I sort of knew that you know, it was either going to be Alien or it was going to be Hellraiser Bloodline. It was going to be one of them. Sure, you know? <laughs> Bloodline. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I didn't watch it straight away, but when I did, it's it's so, so well done. Um, and I think you guys covered it on one of your recent monster, uh, famous monster podcasts. The fact that the yeah. version we've got isn't even like the director's vision, which is such a tragedy. Yeah. Right. Right, and it is because it it really is one of those movies that like you almost wish it was like a well done mini series and like give me six hours of it because yeah. you could have explored a lot more, you know. I, I think that next to Hell, the first Hellraiser film, this is almost one of the best Hellraiser films there has been. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, totally if, agree. If Sam Neill was Pinhead, you'd you'd be straight in hell, and it's it's so. I just love everything about it. I, I think it's so well put together. I, my favorite scene is when that kid gets shot out of the airlock, and suddenly, <laughs> just before the airlock opens, he's like, "Why am I in here, guys?" Baby, yeah, oh. baby bear. <clears throat> so scary. I love that scene. Everything about that is so scary. I love the hell portal. Um, I mean, we always, I always joke. It's like, why would you design it that creepy? <laughs> Did you know it was going to hell? You don't and, know anything uh, about interdimensional science roomy i guess yeah well no, i i always see it in my head the, the guys that were designing this was this was the emo design team these yeah. were all dressed in you know like black eyeliner long lanky hair and they were just like this is metal man this is so yeah. metal that was their approach <laughs> oh wait i just figured it out what what if that is not the way the ship looked before it went through the portal. What if it was like a, you know, like a Naboo starfighter and it was all smooth, <laughs> but when it went through this hell dimension, spikes grew and then it had a little big penis head. Yeah, and nobody questions it. Just Sam Neill, like he, he's all about the hell thing, like because he's the mm. he's the Jack Torrance of this thing. He's right. already crazy. Right. He just gets there and the, the ship feeds that. But. Yeah, he doesn't. He he can't tell them. He's like, "Oh, what happened? I thought I thought I made this real nice and clean, and <laughs> everything was great. And now it's like this hell hell demon ship." Like, did you put all these spikes in here? It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's good feng shui. <laughs> <laughs> the doors are shaped like coffins. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's like that is that is essential <laughs> to how this craft works. It's it awesome, though. I mean, it is. I love that. It's an amazing... It's not, yeah, but like you say, that's how the Adams family travel through space. They go through on, that, <laughs> on the event horizon. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... I mean, and, and again, it's just a haunted house movie. It really is. Mm. All the tropes of a haunted house movie just set in a space station, and you got Morpheus in there. He's awesome. It is a, it's a cracking film. It's so, so good. Probably one of the few good Paul W.S. Anderson films, but... Yeah, yeah. That's true, too, yeah. I mean, what he's just done the Resident Evil movies since then, right? Yeah, he did well, Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, Alien vs. Predator, the first one. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> and then he did Resident Evil. He's not got a great track record. Apart from being oh. married to Mia Djokovic, I'm sort of like, you haven't achieved a great deal in your life, have you? Oh, <laughs> if you marry Mia Djokovic, you could just be like, ah, whatever career. That's it. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Everyone's like, you have, a sh- you have a shitty career. He's like, yeah, so? <laughs> yeah, that's what people say. Like, you make Resident Evil? Yes. But look at my wife. 
<laughs> you win some, you lose some, right, Paul? Let's <laughs> go. Uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit further because there was something that uh, I think you, one of you guys added to the list, and it sort of it wasn't until I thought about it as a haunted house film that it sort of struck me. Mm-hmm. Is Beetlejuice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought well, actually, Beetlejuice is almost it's the anti Amityville. So, sure. So instead, yeah, okay. of, instead of it being from the, the perspective of the family being driven out, this film's all about the ghosts trying to drive the family out. Right, right. Which is really awesome when you think about it. It really is a, a great core concept. But the weirdest thing about it is they don't go for any of the Amityville classic things. They don't make the all walls ooze. They don't have any flies. They're going for like pretty wildly creative mm. scares with That's like true. shrimp cocktail and uh, well, they're new at Harry Belafonte ghosts. songs. Like, they don't really know. Oh, okay. They they don't really know what they should be doing. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think the DeFeo ghosts were probably a bit more experienced. <laughs> <laughs> or less experienced. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't have the style because there's definitely not a chapter. That's called Deo in the uh, in the, uh, <laughs> the book. book of the dead, <laughs> right? Uh, Although that would have taken Beetlejuice to a whole new level if they got Lydia Dietz to shoot their family with a thirty-five yeah. caliber awesome. rifle. Yeah, <laughs> shoot all of them. Yeah. Yep. He's down. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Beetlejuice? Though? Do you because it's it's actually I find it's quite a, not a divisive film, but some people love it and some people are like, eh. I think it's incredible i wish it didn't have like i wish it didn't go to the weird like you have to marry this underage you have to marry this underage chick to this creepy ghost moment Mm. like i wish that wasn't part of it because that just in a especially in a modern sensibility it really kind of sours the last part of that movie but i think up until that point that movie is phenomenal yeah i love it I love it a lot. And I really, again, it's one of those things like what we're talking about right now. The next time I watch it, I will have this conversation in mind and I will really appreciate that it is the Haunted House film, but viewed through the other lens. It's 180 degrees different view. And I think that's super cool. Um, Also, as a practical effects guy, there's so many awesome visuals in that movie. So many creepy things. Great effects. So many awesome things. And I also like... When you can show or present either an image or an idea through a different light, these are ghosts. These are dead people. These are terrible things that happen to these people, but in a funny way. Like you're watching a woman whose throat was slit smoke a cigarette, (laughs) and the smoke is coming out her neck, and you're like, oh, that's cool. But like her throat got slit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 A guy got run over, and he's flat now. That's awesome. (laughs) You're not worried about him. You know, it's a fun movie. Yay. That's the thing. I think when you sort of when when they go to the afterlife, I like the fact that firstly, as a race, we've managed to maintain bureaucracy. I'm quite impressed with that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many backstories that you don't get given. Like all and these. And don't you have... want to see that movie? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see. I would love to see a TV show that's basically The Office, but with the Beetlejuice Netherworld. Oh, that yes. would be. Don't England don't steal that idea. Yeah, they should make that. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> It would be amazing. That that would be yeah. Because there's like so many. Even in the waiting room, I love the fact you've oh. got the you've got the the, uh, the Zulu or African warrior, and then you know the hunter next to him with the shrunken head and all that. I think, oh, right, right, right. That's. I mean, every episode could bring a new person into the netherworld and find out how they died and find out what they have to do and all the paperwork they have to fill out and like check on how they're ghosting. I I love it. That'd be so great. Can you buy one of the things? I'm sure someone mentioned me. You can buy. 
I, I don't mean it's like a proper book, but the uh, the manual. What's it called? The manual for the recently deceased. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've but seen the, replicas. I don't know if a company has made a replica, but that would be pretty funny. But things like that. That's the, the, the imagination in that film is is amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it's even like you, you never think, you don't know Beetlejuice's real name. You don't know his origin. You don't know his like who he was when he's alive, and none of that matters. Because of who he sure, is now yeah. as a ghost, right? I, I almost don't want to see his origin story, but no, yeah, that is true. Yeah. If they did a movie of that, it would just mess things up for me. Yeah, uh, you, that's it. You just don't need to see any of that. But yeah, no. such a good film. So the one thing that's in to jump forward, then something. There's another film I just want to throw out there that sort of, again, I think sort of like shifted things slightly again in 2007 we get paranormal activity what are your thoughts on that because again it's well well that embraced the technology and mm. remember it's like horror has such a hard time catching up with technology paranormal activity sort of rebooted the haunted house genre mm. as you know and the poltergeist genre but using that found footage and using that uh, the technology to make it work and it used it very well I don't know if I love this movie, but I have to give it mad props, kind of like the Blair Witch did. Big props for what you did, what you pulled off, and what you did for culture. You you have to give it to them for being able to pull that off. Mm. And I th I thought I agree with that. I think it's it's not the end all be all of anything. It's the it was the beginning of a gimmick that we would eventually see way too much, and that was right around the time of Paranormal Activity two. <laughs> but like, it's. It was fun. It, it, it was coming. Like, if you didn't think that was going to happen, you wake up. That obviously was the next progression of that type of movie. It was done well. I liked it. Um, I broke up with a girl who told me that she thought it was real. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, the you end of she's like, you yeah. You broke up because of that. I mean, just. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she was hot, dude. Oh, okay, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like, she saw it before I did. She's like, yeah, it's terrifying and it's a real story. I was like, I don't think it is. She said, yeah, it's real. I was like, no, I think it's supposed to look real. She said, no, I'm pretty sure it's 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 based on a real thing and it's real tapes. And then at the end, when you see like a demon, I was like, bye, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Have Excellent. fun on Match.com. <laughs> Basically accepted. No, it was, that, uh, I like it a lot. I thought it was really good. I thought it did some really good stuff. And I've seen a couple of the um, the sequels. Mm. Some of them have been terrible. Some of them have been like, okay, that's actually a pretty good idea. Like one of the sequels has a um, like a Xbox Connect or something mm. like that. And you can see how that moves. And you see a, you know, a, a ghost or an image or whatever walk through that. I was like, okay, you're, you're taking that idea and kind of bringing it to the to the next logical progression and I give that credit I think that's the thing that of, of, of the series I, I think I have seen pretty much all of them and like I say quality varies but every mm -hmm. single one of those films has at least one moment of really really well placed tension and a really good use of technology hmm. that I think is really clever um, which I guess is probably why it succeeds at least enough to keep going is because if you make that movie and fail at those things, fail at creating tension and especially fail at using technology, what have you done? If you if that's your premise mm. and you lost it, you failed, right? So I guess you kind of have to succeed in that to make those movies work at all, right? Yeah. They they all, all of them, as far as I'm concerned, fall apart in the third act. Like they, it's one of those concepts, again, with these paranormal films, 
and especially with haunted house films that you can't take it too climactic because if you do especially these ones that accept they're in the modern world the moment you reach a certain level it's going to end up on youtube it's going to end up on social media so how did this not become a huge thing is you know you've got to keep it below the radar otherwise it i'm off i i you know i i I can't buy into it okay i get that that makes sense well and and to add to that you have a movie that lives in this super low budget i mean at least with the early ones super low budget found footage style and if you give us something that's really high production value like a full-size monster or a house collapsing you break that wall completely right yeah so uh, piece of a don't watch the last one because <laughs> that's pretty much what happens Oh wow! <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they introduce a whole bunch of special effects where, yeah, it it, it just falls apart. It's not great. So uh, that's a bummer. Having discussed all this, what are your thoughts on the future of haunted house films? Well, it's interesting because this is going to tie in with your last episode. You guys said it's the the Warren effect happened, and the Warrens mm-hmm. are. They became their own film franchises, and and just to give a brief recap to those who don't know, well, maybe you should do this, Scott, since you're. I think no, you're no, more familiar it. with the Warrens than I am. All right, so the the Warrens were a, a paranormal couple that d- became very famous for investigating really high-profile paranormal cases, and they went and visited the Amityville house, and she said it's the scare, the most evil house I've ever been in, and the movies, The Conjuring, and The Conjuring Two are about the Warrens and I I don't I did not know about them until The Conjuring came out and I went and researched them Th- so the, the Warrens they're widely regarded as hoaxes but at the same time they bring so much media attention and credibility to to a media story that they're still touted out every time that there's something going on but for the most part I think everybody's like they're they're kind of bullshit right yeah I'm in that part I think I'm there they're crazy people yeah but they work so well for movies. They, they're they a movie waiting to be made. I'm shocked that we haven't gotten a bunch of these movies, but it's starting now. The Conjuring, I love the first Conjuring. I think it was a great haunted house movie. Mm. I think it was a great paranormal movie. It has some of my favorite scares of the past few years. It has a great ending to it. It, cl- it has a, a, a great tension-filled climax. The second one was okay. I mean, I liked it, but I kept falling asleep during it. But yeah. I think, I think, must have been pretty scary. Yeah, <laughs> I think this franchise, sort of centering around them, is is the place where they belong. They belong in in a in a sort of a, a legendary movie world. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I, I agree. The first one is actually has got some really well placed and paced legit scares. Yep. the The problem I have with the two again, though, is. The first one set at a farmhouse in, I'm I'm unsure what part of America, but it seems quite isolated. Like you've got to drive up a massive path to get there. Yeah, you know, it's 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 again, it's got that isolation. The problem I have with the second one, especially knowing uh, part of the history of the Enfield haunting, is the fact that that's in London, in a bunch of terrace houses, and again, it's got that rather spectacular sort of poltergeist type ending and all this yeah. other stuff keeps going on and at no point of the and I know the British press even during the 70s there would have been paparazzi and all that kind of stuff all over that house yeah and it, so it's, it always feels that sort of I can't the first one I really enjoyed the second one I really struggled to 
to buy into, I think. Well, I mean, the second one, I, just, I mean, I love some of the visuals, like the creepy tall man and the, the, the scary nun. And, I mean, they're really just pitching all these things to be the next movie that mm. is in this franchise. But it's like I, you got to give them credit for for bringing back some really good classic ghost moments. Oh, yeah, the imagination. I, I do like the the creepy tall man especially. The way he moves is amazing. I think it's a fantastic And that was all visual. practical. Can you believe well, that? That was going to be my next question because I haven't seen the second one. Oh, the tall man's practical and you can't believe yeah, it. Because cool. I was watching, I was like, how did they do that? That's amazing. And to find out that it's all practical for that scene is yeah. really impressive. That's cool. It, and you the, can tell it sort of feels practical because it feels genuine. It, it feels solid and it's really well done. It's fantastic. Well, and I mean, anytime you watch something and it makes me go, how did they do that? Usually I'm like, eh, CG, meh, you know. But when I am confused by it, like that's when you know that they they either did a really good job hiding it or it's real. Yeah. Sure. Um, one of the th- in the first movie has one of my favorite scares. I I think it's one of my favorite scares of all time is the clap clap mm. moment. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. And uh, you know, and and you want to play what is a hide and clap or something like that. And she hears the clap downstairs and she backs up, backs up, and then the hands just come out of the darkness and do it right by her face. I lost it i did not expect it scared me so bad he was I... holding my hand so <laughs> hard <laughs> it was great that I was love effect- that. you know i i saw that movie i don't think i enjoyed it as much as you you guys seem to have liked it but uh i gotta give it it had some effective moments and some effective scares like that one i think it, it was well done i think it didn't do as many of the cheap scares as normal uh at least current day horror does now which uh, just drive me insane but i thought it did have like that one was a really good well thought out well paced well lit scare mm. but I'm i think it, f- no go on. i think it just lit the torch to, for them to pass on to the next generation of like haunted house like poltergeist movies with with the annabelle with the scary nun and with all that stuff and you know it all comes back to these hoaxers but you got to thank them for at least putting the imagination uh, making the imagination real yeah, I mean the Annabelle thing's interesting because it's it, it, it's I know it's a raggedy Ann in real life, but again, whoever mm. designed that doll for the film, spot on. It's terrifying. It's really a really good piece of design. I think I could design the evil doll. <laughs> Don't you think? Well, the best thing is when you look at the true life evil doll stories. Like there's a little sailor doll, and I think his name's Paul or something like that, and Annabelle. Robert. They're Robert. Just, yeah. Robert, yeah, mm. they're just normal kid dolls. They're mm. just normal, but it's they weren't invented to be creepy. creepy. Like, exactly, like the person making that wasn't like, ah, oh, this will destroy children's lives. Well, <laughs> they recently moved the Annabelle doll, and I watched the live event online where it's like they had her in the glass case. Don't you have a job? <laughs> we, were, we watched it at work, <laughs> and it was like they had a priest, and they had these exorcists, and they like blessed the place, and they made this whole rigmarole out of it. At the end of the day, it's just this guy parading around this raggedy Ann doll, <laughs> treating it like it's on fire or something. Nothing happened to it? Didn't Nothing happened. No, they move. just put it in a different glass case. Amazing. I wish, the, I wish the same thing that you saw happen, but the only thing different was at one point in the video, you hear a little, vo- a little girl's voice go, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, if you're going to move a doll and its head doesn't spin around and say something like, you know, want to play? Then <laughs> if Chucky's done it first, then I'm afraid you're sort of, uh, you're not hitting those high bars. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Well, well yeah. it's, it's, 
it's the Amityville horror has definitely spawned an amazing like legacy, and I think all of the modern horror that isn't in a creepy old house, you have to you have to find its credit at Amityville. I think you do. I think it's been great. It's been a fantastic conversation. I, mean, I really enjoyed talking to you guys about this. It's a uh, it's a really interesting topic. So yeah. Well, let me let me ask you guys one one final question. And Aaron, I know I want to hear your 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 take too. I. I think I know what you're going to say, but I want to hear it. So, Scott, certainly from you. You're in this haunted house with your family for 28 days. It keeps, you know, scaring the hell out of you. And one night during a terrible thunderstorm, you say, all right, let's go. You run out. You jump in the van, and you drive away down the street. And then you're like, oh, crap, we forgot our dog, Harry. <laughs> Do you go back into that house and get Harry? Yeah, of course. I knew you'd say that. The best is your dog. It like could f- literally fit in your pocket. So, like he carried that big ass dog out. At least <laughs> in the movie, I don't know how big real Harry was. What about you, Scott? You going back to save the dog? Uh, if I've driven enough down the street, I think I'd I'd probably put the window down, shout three or four times. If it doesn't come, well, it <laughs> clearly wasn't trained well enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, it doesn't come because it's too busy licking up that black goo in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> it's got other shit to do. It's not listening to you. You're both terrible dog owners. The correct answer is you don't forget the dog to begin with. Uh, there you, you bring go. the dog out with the family. The thing is, I wouldn't be leaving. I'd be the stubborn guy. I'd be like, I paid for this house. I'm staying here. I'm staying here. I'm, I'm, sta- paid. I'm, I'm staying here. <laughs> yeah, I would, be, I would be the stubborn guy. My whole family would leave. They'd leave me. He'd be like, we're done. You, you're, and I'd be like, no, nah, me and the ghost are happy. We're fine. I'm loving it. I love this house. Like, just just to spite the nose on my face, I would stay in that I house. I guess, like, yeah. Well, I mean, what's the worst that happens? A little bit of green stuff. It smells. It. All right. I shoot my family in the back. <laughs> um, Swings around. I guess there's always that. <laughs> yeah. That is the worst thing that can happen. I don't think you'd shoot me. I I live in a haunted house with you. I think you'd. I don't think you'd shoot. I've me. stayed in creepy houses. When I was doing my film thesis for college, we did a zombie movie. We found an abandoned farmhouse that the Boston, like the the farmland commission that owned this land, let us film in. They're like, you can tear it up. We don't even care. We're going to tear it down a month later. So we were allowed to like tear out walls, but we had to stay there the night before to set up things. And this house was so Dude, that creepy. was the old man who pays kids to stay Stated in the haunted house. Dude, you lived through that. The attic of this house, I kid you not, there was an attic. It's a big room. But inside the room, offset, so it's a smaller room within the room, was a solid concrete box with chains in the wall. I kid you not. It's like where they kept the family secret. Dude. Scared the crap out of us. Oh, man. Well, recently, I don't know if you guys, I actually worked at a... Uh, uh, did I, I worked as an actor on a Halloween attraction. Yeah. In a, a castle called Bolsover Castle in uh, just near me. And it's uh, the English Heritage's most haunted castle. Wow. Uh, and I was working there from six till eleven o'clock at night, ten nights in a row, and we were in the dark doing this thing, and that was really creepy. Did you see anything? See or hear or feel anything creepy? I've I've mentioned the story, but yeah, there was there were several things that happened. Uh, one of them I haven't really sort of spoken about on on the podcast yet, so this will be an exclusive. Uh, but the Ooh. first one was uh, we were doing some filming beforehand, some pre-filming just to, for the entrance part um, in the basement in the sort of the kitchen cellar area, and I ran as part of the film. I had to run through into a room and hide behind a pillar to be out of, out of shot, 
And as I did, and I ran into this room, pitch black, and I'm stood there in the dark for a few seconds, and I hear three footsteps walk up to me in the dark. And uh, my legs just took over, and I bolted out of that room as fast as possible. Like um, you could hear somebody walking up yeah, to yeah, you, yeah. like there, in there, the room. Yeah, I was in that room oh. on my own, and the three there were three distinct footsteps walked were walking towards me. You almost um, got ghost murdered. Yeah, um, it was fine after because I spoke to the guy who's the site manager, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we hear footsteps down there all the time." So I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that's, that's makes me oh. feel a whole lot better." No big deal. <clears throat> on the last night. Um, we were clearing everything up, taking all the props down, getting all the, the sort of tech together. And there's a room there called, it's called the uh, Star Chamber because the, the ceiling is literally covered in stars. Uh, and it's wow. the, like the main reception room on the first floor. And it was known, the guy who built the, the castle, a guy called William Cavendish, it was his big sort of like showing off room. It's where everyone mm-hmm. we brought to meet him and all this other stuff. And we'd done one of the big scares in the room. So we were collecting all the kit and stuff together. And as we were leaving, me and two of the other guys um, were just looking back to make sure everything, we've got everything, there's everyone behind us. And the three of us both sort of saw, we, three of us looked at each other straight after and said, did you see that? There was a figure stood in the corner watching us leave. Oh. And we looked at each other, everyone, was with, everyone was with us and we were like, okay, thanks very much. That's uh it, it really felt like he was sort of like, right, you're done now. Can you leave? <laughs> yeah. So wow. wow. It was just, it wasn't, it wasn't like a distinct figure because it was pitch black, but there was clearly something in the corner and the three of us were like, yep, okay. I'm glad I'm not going back there again. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds awesome. That yeah, sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I saw that you guys had, had, had done, done some work over there. That's, that's cool to hear those stories firsthand though. Yeah. No, it's an amazing place. Really worth. Uh, really glad I did it. Really worth checking out. Well, Scott, this so, has been a blast. Thank you so it much. It has. For it's having been us. so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on, spending the time, and uh, let's give it that one last cheap pop before you go. All right, guys. If you want to hear more of the Rocketeers and the Launchpad podcast, you can hit us up on our website at launchpadpod.com, and you can hit us up on our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Instagram at launchpadpod. Excellent. Again, thank you so much, guys. Uh, and I say, if listeners, if you enjoy these guys on this show, check them out, subscribe, give them a review, all the works. Uh, well worth checking out. Oh, okay. back at you guys. I, we really appreciate all the support you've yeah, been giving us. super fun, dude. Yeah, we know that you've been listening and, and commenting and everything on all our social media. You did the whole horror challenge that Aaron set up. That which was, was awesome. Thank you so much. a lot much. of work, man. Aaron, I should that. I am one of the puke drollers that I've been checking, and we want to do a Christmas one. We're expecting a Christmas horror challenge. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. 30, 31 days of December. Uh, well, I've been called out. I can't I can't let that down. All right. All right. I, oh, man. <laughs> Big thanks to you guys. Thank you again. Everybody, keep listening to 20th Century Geek. These guys are legit. One of the best of the Britpod scene. We love them, and thank you so much for having us. Thank you, guys. Right. I shall catch up with you guys soon. All, All right. right. Yeah, be good. We'll have to do this again soon. I'd like to put you between my fingers. <laughs>
Okay, well there we have it. A fantastic conversation with the guys from the uh, Launchpad podcast. I will definitely be having those guys back on at some point in the future. Okay, well thank you for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what your thoughts are on uh, the Amityville Horror or any other haunted house movies. Which ones are your favourites? Uh, where do you think they're going? And what, especially things like The Conjuring or 13 Ghosts or any of those different types that have happened over the years. What are your thoughts? Okay, so that's it for spookiness. And uh, I'm giving the horror a bit of a rest. We've had uh, a couple of months of it, really. So I'm going to move on to something a little more festive next month. It's Versus Month. We're going to be having some all-out Christmas battles. So the first one is going to be a bit of a doozy. Uh, well, at least one of them is going to be a doozy. Home Alone versus Home Alone 2. Which is the better? And then uh, sticking with the theme of bad parents, uh, bad dads not quite making it for Christmas. Jingle All the Way versus the Santa Claus. Excellent versus battles. So I hope you'll uh, jingle all the way over and listen to the podcast. If you want to talk to me, please contact me via email. That's 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at 20thCenturyGeek and on Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr and all the works, uh, all under 20thCenturyGeek. And more importantly, and uh, the one that should really be shouted out, 20thCenturyGeek is now on Patreon. If you want to help support us and keep the lights on, please go over there and make a donation. Every penny counts and all of them are hugely appreciated. Okay, thank you very much. Have a great time and I shall see you in the show.